priest friend once said, I tell them not just what Jesus said, I tell them what he meant to say. That's especially true of today's gospel, when Jesus didn't say any of this in the first place. Jesus was not an egotist talking about himself all the time. These are the words of the writer of John's gospel as he struggled to relate the human Jesus to God. Remember, the gospel of John is theology, not biology, much less an autobiology. John's gospel was his attempt to deal with meaning. Unlike the synoptic gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, they see together, John's was a different category. The synoptics are, in my view, theologized histories with the meaning built in. John's gospel is historicized theology, a theology tour de force presented in the guise of history, focused on the word. He signaled his plan in the very first sentence. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God totally identifying Jesus with God. And uniquely, John has all the I am sayings, none found in the other Gospels. And remember, in Hebrew, God's primary name is I am. Connecting. So listen to today's Gospel as the writer of John would say it. About Jesus, I affirm and proclaim that he is the bread of life. Whoever follows him will never be hungry, and whoever trusts him will never be thirsty. No one can follow his way unless drawn by his Father who sent him, and God will raise that person up on the last day. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father will follow Jesus. He was the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. It was an early creed. John saying, this I believe. Now here's the rub. Scripture is supposed to be nourishing. Instead, it tends to be a lot of empty calories. Time and again, people tell me how they tried to read the Bible from cover to cover and end up totally discouraged, still hungry, asking so what? What does any of this have to do with anything? So the book that was supposed to have the recipe for the bread of life ends up on the bookshelf gathering dust, not at all appetizing, and I don't blame them. Some practical thoughts from wisdom literature like Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Ecclesiasticals, and even the book of wisdom itself make some sense. But the proclaimed history of the mighty acts of God doesn't really make a lot of sense. As if God interfered in creation, interrupting people's lives for good or ill, with unexpected pregnancies, tilting the outcome of wars, disrupting the mechanics of creation, operating people and events like so many puppets. During the search process at St. Andrew's Saratoga, I was confronted by a parishioner on the search committee who was a known fundamentalist, you know, believing the seven fundamentals of 
the physical resurrection and the virgin birth, all these things, which is why he was placed on the committee. He represented those parishioners who believed that every word in the Bible to be literally true. With the entire search committee gathered around, he questioned one of my written statements about Scripture, where I said, the Bible is 90% mud and 10% gold. What do you mean by that? He asked with a self-righteous air. And my heart, I said, okay, Lord, help me out with this one. I looked down at the hand of the woman sitting next to me and said, may I please have your left hand? Pointing to her engagement and wedding rings, I said, now probably the most valuable part of Nancy's ring is this diamond. But I'd like to see her keep that diamond on her finger without the setting. The historical setting of the Bible is the mud. And I respect mud. Life probably came out of it. But you do have to dig for the gold. And it lies the meaning. At Harvard Divinity, a classmate was asked to preach a sermon on the following text from Genesis. My brother Esau is hairy, but I am smooth-skinned. What? Actually, it's a fascinating story, but meaning? What is nourishing about the Bible? 10%. But that 10% is pure gold. You do have to dig for it, or at least pan for it in the living streams of your experiences. In mythology, wisdom, and history, I do find nourishment. So here are a, a few thoughts about where I find that. One, from the two creation myths in Genesis come not the fear of God, but the awe of life. That is one of the most unfortunate translations in history. The fear of God. No, the awe of life. When you're looking up at the stars and saying, wow. And that in spite of everything, life is good. Repeated by God at the end of each day of creation. And he saw that it was very good. God is good. Not science, but excellent worldview. Two. From the mythological story of Noah and the flood, the affirmation, I will never again destroy the earth. You humans might, but I won't. In other words, you can count on order. Reminded every time we see a rainbow. Order being the very basis of life and science. Life cannot exist without order. As my wife has heard me say many times, gravity works every time. God doesn't, must not, mess with creation or there will be chaos. And that's the very story of Noah. The water represents chaos. Ancient Israel sat beside the Mediterranean but never sailed on it. They didn't like the big water. The Galilee was big enough. You can count on order. Three. From the prophets, we hear the demand for justice, religiously and politically. Four, from the life of Jesus, a spirit, an attitude of inclusive love and forgiveness and acceptance. 
the value of every human being that God is love. Five, from the letters of St. Paul, who more than anyone founded the church, Jesus didn't, Paul did. The essence of religion is community. Not a bunch of laws, but living in and by God's grace, bringing forth hearts filled with gratitude and forgiveness and total acceptance. So, where do you find gold? There are beautiful nuggets there. Maybe sometime we can have a time to share those nuggets each of us has discovered. I think that would be instructive. Even in the raw, and even with a bit of dirt still attached, those nuggets are pure gold, worthy of respect, worth time spent digging to see a larger concept of life and of God, and to see the enormous awe in yourself, God's greatest creation, the human heart and mind and love. Amen.